invite you to go to Proverbs chapter 4 with me today. And while you're turning there, permit me for just a moment to express my gratitude uh, to many of you. And I don't, I don't say this as a way to, to brag or say where I've been or what I've done. But I had the unbelievable privilege and honor on Thursday night to be in the state of Michigan and to preach uh, one night of their camp meeting. And um, I want to tell you, we, you get that many preachers and ministers in one building together for lack of a better term, Brother Tucker, we had church Thursday night. <laughs> we had a wonderful time. And many of you prayed for me and covered me in prayer. You just don't have any idea how much that means to me, that you would pray for me as I ministered. And then a lot of you covered me in prayer as I traveled back on Thursday night. My plan was to drive about halfway and get a hotel and then drive in for the funeral Friday. But I was so wired from that altar service and that time together. I was okay till about five o'clock. And boy, when I hit Charleston, boy, it, I kind of, kind of had the nods on me. So I stopped and walked around a couple of times. Got, got some caffeine in me and made it in safely Friday morning at about 7:15, so we could celebrate the life of Brother Harold Stout. Listen, what a preacher won't do to go preach camp meeting just one night. But uh, I'm so grateful that you prayed for me and you covered me in prayer. And uh, it was uh, just a privilege for me to be able to be up there and to be a part of that that week with uh, Bishop Tim Knuckles. He's the state overseer of Michigan. I uh, spent some time here as a youth pastor many, many, many years ago. And uh, I do appreciate your prayers. It means so much uh, to me that you would that you would do that. And listen, that may be the last one I ever preach. I may be a one-hit wonder, one and done. But I'm going to tell you, I had the best time that one time. So I told him, I may not ever get to preach a camp meeting again. I got everything out I could possibly get out in that one service. Because uh, I may never, ever get a chance to preach a camp meeting again. But I tell you, that one was well worth it. I had a good time. Proverbs chapter 4, please, verse 23 today. Let, let me just preface before what I'm going to say here before I read this text. And just hang with me, stand for a minute, and I'll let you sit down. I'm, I'm usually a very scripted preacher. What I mean by that is when I come to this pulpit, I have a very scripted outline. Now, a lot of times I don't bring that with me, and that that's not, I don't do that to impress you or to get... Uh, affirmation from you. I just I like to be able to look at you when I communicate and talk to you, um, and that that comes with a lot of study during the week. I don't just I don't have a photographic memory. I don't just read it. It takes a long time to do that. But that's a, a sacrifice I'm willing to pay because I like to be able to see you when I communicate, and I just it frees me up a little bit. And I'm usually very scripted, and I know where I'm going, and I've got three points, and I've got a story, and I've got a conclusion. And just a few weeks ago. Uh, the Holy Spirit just dealt with my heart a little bit, and he said, I don't, well, I don't want you to worry about being s so rehearsed all the time, but I want you to make sure that you're bringing a rhema word to the people. You know what a rhema word is? That's a now word, a specific word that speaks to the people. So the last few Sundays, I have attempted to start a series on the Holy Spirit, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've got, I've got, four messages prepared in that series. In the last few weeks as I've tried to do that, the Holy Spirit later in the week, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, has just kind of directed me in, in, in a different way. So as I prepared yesterday afternoon and I thought when I left for Michigan, I knew where I was going on Sunday, but that 
was not the case. The Lord just spoke something very clear to my, my heart uh, last night. And uh, I want to I convey that to you today. Now, this may not be what you're accustomed to every Sunday. It's probably not one of those swing from the chandeliers and take my coat off and sweat and spit like I do a lot of Sundays. <laughs> but what I want to do, I want to just, I preach from my heart every week. But I really just want to want to talk to you from my heart today. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit has prompted me to communicate this. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, I apologize for, for keeping you standing so long. Let me read this to you. Solomon, uh, the wise, wise writer of Proverbs, says this. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. Keep your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart spring the issues of life. I want to take a few moments today. And this is my intention. Of course, my intention sometimes doesn't always happen. I don't want to be long. And somebody just went, ha ha, yeah right, Pastor. We've heard that every Sunday for two and a half years. I don't want to be long today, but there's just some things I really need to convey to you. And here's what I want to, if I could use a title, I just would call it Issues of the Heart. Issues of the Heart. I want to, I want to talk to us as a family today. Is it okay if I do that? Now, I, I, I'll, I'll at some point probably slip into preacher mode. I can't help it. That's just who I am. But I want to talk to us as a family today. Can we pray? I'll let you be seated. Father, thank you for the Word today. Thank you for the truth of the Word today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that I sense is present today in here. Would you breathe on us today, God? Breathe on me to communicate the word, but breathe on these people today to hear the word, to receive the word, God, and then to apply the word to their hearts and lives. But I, I really believe that you, you whispered something to me last night, and I want to be faithful to, to carry this and to communicate it, God. And I believe that transformation will take place. I love you today. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. The church said amen. Bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart with you, Pastor Tony. Thank you today. You know, Proverbs is it's a very interesting book of the Bible. The, the main word and the, the key focus Proverbs can be summed up in one word, Brother Turpin, and that is wisdom. It's a book that is full of wisdom. It's full of practical, everyday insight on how to live. If you open up the pages of, of Proverbs, you will, you will find things about um, how to raise your kids, You'll find information there on how to have a good marriage. You'll find things in there that Solomon wrote about your finances, about giving, about receiving. He talks about relationships and what kind of people that we should connect ourselves with and the kind of, peoples we should, kind of people we should be disconnected from. It's just so full of practical, everyday insight on how to live life. And if we've ever lived in a time and in a culture and in a society 
where we need the wisdom of God. We are living in a time right now. We need the wisdom of God on how to live and how to handle situations and circumstances in our lives. It's, it's, com- it's compiled of 31 chapters. And here's a good practice maybe for some of you to take on. I've done this several times. You know, most of the months have 31 days in them. You can read a Proverbs every single day, and you can read through that book in a month. Matter of fact, you could do it several times throughout the year. And there's just such wonderful insight. But, but verse 23 speaks to me. And he, he talks to us about guarding and protecting our heart. Because from the heart flows everything about life. Do you know that the heart is the center or the seat of our will, of our emotions, of our desires, of our affections, of our longings, of our wants, of our passions? Everything about life is centered in the heart. The Bible, the Bible writes and, and, and talks a lot about the heart. If you go back one chapter to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, you hear Solomon talk about the heart again when he says, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. Now, we do need to lean. We need to lean on him. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. If you stay in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verse number 7, the Bible tells us that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So whatever you think you are, that's eventually what you'll be. If you think you're a mean, old, hateful cuss, you'll probably be a mean, old, hateful cuss eventually. But if you think and you confess and you declare that you're an overcomer, you're victorious. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, listen, I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying here. Now, Pastor, we didn't know that you had that name it and claim it, claim it and blab it and grab it theology. And I didn't, I didn't say I had that. But I'm going to tell you that whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever you confess and whatever you speak, you can, you can feed the positive or you can feed the negative in your life. And what you speak and what you say, there's power, power of life and death, Solomon said, is in your tongue. And if you walk around all the time saying you're no good and you're terrible and you're awful, guess how you're going to probably feel? Now, just because I said I was going to talk today don't mean you can't talk back to me. It's okay to help me. So the Bible talks a lot about the heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 said the heart, the heart is wicked. It's deceitfully wicked above all things. And Jesus would bring that scripture. It's the fact that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. He said, who can know it? Jesus tells us in Matthew 15 and 19 that, that from the heart... Proceed evil thoughts and murder and adulteries and fornication and blasphemies and theft and false witness. Jesus talks about the heart in John chapter 14, verse number 1. Know what he said? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. 
It were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know, the day that you found Christ and received the Lord, it was your, it was your heart that was touched. And Paul would write to us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. If you were to go to the back of your Bible, and it gives you a list of of references of, of different words in the Scripture. You were to pull up a commentary and type in the word heart. It's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible because it's the center, it's the seat of everything about life. And Solomon tells us to guard the heart, to protect the heart because everything about life flows from the heart. I need to tell you this because it will help me communicate to you. As I, and I, you know, I don't know if a lot of pastors get up and tell you how they get to a, a, con- a conclusion of what they want to preach, but it just sometimes helps me to, to tell you how I arrived somewhere because, listen, I don't, I don't print stuff off and preach it and look through a book and find it. I really try to hear from the Lord to bring you something. Now, I use resources, obviously. Because I'm not that smart to come up with everything. As I sat downstairs last night, I, I told Kelly, I'm going downstairs. And yesterday, we, 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 we celebrated our anniversary a couple of days late because, you know, I was gone preaching on our anniversary, by the way. I just going to go ahead and confess it's good for the soul. Uh, my 21st wedding anniversary on Thursday, I was in Michigan preaching. Now, what you have to know is I asked permission before I did that. <laughs> Brother Kenny, I, listen, I was born at night, but not last night. And when I got the invitation, I said, now, dear, I've got this opportunity, but if you'd rather me be here for our anniversary, she says, no, by all means, please. I think she wanted me to be away. <clears throat> so I made it up to her yesterday. And we went out and had dinner, and we looked at some new furniture that she's wanting. So uh, really, she says, that's an anniversary gift to us, but I could care less. I said, pick out whatever you want. Happy anniversary to you. I mean, I'll sit on the lawn chair and eat. I could care less. <laughs> And, and I thought I was going a certain direction, and as I went downstairs, I started to study what I was, thought I was going to preach. and just didn't, didn't click. I closed up my notes. I said, now, Lord, if you're taking me somewhere else, you need to talk to me. I need to hear what you're saying. I want these people to hear from you. And I got a half sheet of computer paper that was tucked in my Bible, and I'm not kidding you. I pulled that thing out, and the Holy Spirit just started talking to me. And I just began to write some things down into to jot some things down. I didn't really have this, this scripture text, but when I opened my eyes this morning, my alarm went off. I'm not kidding you. Proverbs 4, 23, as soon as I opened my eyes, was going through my mind, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. And I had already jotted down five phrases last night, tucked them in my Bible and thought, I'll, have to, I'll start there in the morning when I get up to preach, so you better help me with the rest of it. Now, I don't want you to think that I, I don't do that every week. I don't want you to think you've got a lazy pastor. I spend time in study and preparation. But as I, as I begin to meditate on that verse this morning, those five things just came together and it made sense to me. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about some issues of the heart. And I'm going to give you a phrase 
that I wrote down last night, that I want to give you the issue of the heart that it deals with. Here's the first one. The first thing the Holy Spirit spoke to me last night is there are some people that need to put to rest or put to bed some things in your life. Here's what I mean by that. It's time that you lay it down and you move on. Here's the issue of the heart. It's the issue of the past that we are haunted by the past. And we live in the past. And we live with regret over mistakes that we have made. And we, we hold on to things that we've said, things that we've done, things that we haven't said, and things that we haven't done that we should have said and that we should have done. And it becomes this crutch for us, our past does. It becomes the way by which we make an excuse for everything that we do that we know that we shouldn't do because that's just how I was raised and that's how my mama treated me and that's how my daddy treated me and that's what I've come out of and that's what my past looks like and it's become a crutch that we lean on and we try to use it to excuse and to validate things that we do. And the issue of the heart is the past. But at some point in our lives, and here's what I know today by the witness of the Holy Spirit right now, and I'm not being arrogant. I, I believe I've heard the Holy Spirit. He's talking to some people today. At some point in our lives, we have to put this thing to bed. At some point in our lives, we've got to put whatever the issue or issues of the past have been, we've got to put them to rest once and for all, and we have to move on and step into a new day and stop hanging on to what used to be and what happened and tell the Lord, I'm ready for something new in my life. And stop, listen, I'm not, I'm not minimizing what you've been through. I'm not minimizing what you've had to deal with and to endure. But it cannot be something you hang on to and use to excuse poor behavior and poor choices. Listen, God says, I do all things new. And we've got to put some things to rest and lay some things down and move on and look in our rearview mirror and see it and say, I'm done living there. I'm done beating myself up. I'm done being haunted over it. I'm done living there and camping out there. I'm coming out of my past into an incredible future that God has ordained and orchestrated for my life. Here's the second phrase I wrote down last night. That is this, is that the source of much of our pain has been the hand of man. Man's hand has been the source of much of our hurt. And here's the issue of the heart. It's an issue called pain. That something that somebody has said and something that somebody has done has caused great hurt in your life. I scanned this crowd this morning. I would bet my life on the fact that 
the majority of people in this auditorium today by way of what man has done or said that you have been disappointed and let down by man at some point in your life. For some, it's family that's close to you. For others, it could be a co-worker or somebody in the church. But every one of us in here, we have been on the receiving end of something that man or woman has said or done, and it's caused this issue in our heart called pain. There's nothing like being let down, disappointed, and rejected by man, especially by someone that we thought loved us. Is this all right this morning? There's people in here today, you have been through physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse at the hands of man. You've had things spoken to you and in you and over you by a mother or a father or a family member that says that you're useless or sorry that you were ever born, you were a mistake, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything great for God and you've heard that stuff and it's found its way into your heart and you live with an issue called pain. And all of our pain comes usually from the hand of man. And there's nothing like looking in the mirror and hearing and reliving the pain that's been inflicted upon your life. And it becomes an issue of the heart. And when we have pain in our lives and we are hurting, you know what we do in response to that? Hurting people hurt other people. Listen, I'm, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a counseling degree. And I don't want one, because then if I had one, I'd be responsible. I'm going to have a line at my office door every day. I don't need to have a counseling degree. But hurting people hurt people. But at some point in our lives, we have to get to the place that we take the issue of pain that we're dealing with. And we tell God, I cannot heal myself. I cannot make the pain go away. But God, your word says that you are close to those who are broken in spirit. And you're going to have to take my broken heart. And you're going to have to take my broken will. You're going to have to take my broken emotions. And you're going to have to put them into your hands, God. And you're going to have to mend. And you're going to have to restore. And you're going to have to heal because I have an issue called pain that I just can't seem to get over. And you know this old adage to be true that sometimes it hurts to heal. You ask anybody that's had a knee replacement or a hip replacement. Sister Weaver, am I telling the truth? Sometimes it hurts to heal. My father had his knee replaced several months ago and I'd call him. They're, of course, they're down at the beach, and I'd call him and see how 
you know, physical therapy. Because after the surgery, initially, it's not too bad. I'm feeling good. It feels pretty good. I said, I'm just telling you, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but when physical therapy comes, you're not going to feel so good. And they'd come in and work him and bend that leg back and move that knee around. My mom said he'd have tears almost in his eyes. It hurt so bad. But you know why they did that, don't you? Because if you didn't, infection would set up in that knee. And sometimes, listen, it hurts to heal. And we have to get to a place that we just get gut-level honest with God and say, God, I'm hurting. I can't get over this. And I need to, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go to a place now, God. I'm going to have to remember some things. I'm going to have to relive some things because I've got to get healing over this. I've got an issue called pain in my heart. Here's the third thing, the third phrase I wrote down. Is that some of you are in a process right now that you despise. You don't like where you are. You don't like what you're going through. You don't like what's going on in your life. You don't like anything about where you are right now and what's happening. But that process that you despise, God says, I'm using it to develop you. And here's the issue of the heart. It's patience. It's patience. The Bible tells us to let patience have its perfect work. And nobody, listen, nobody likes to go through anything, especially something that is tough. And that word process is a, is a powerful word. It's not a word that I usually like to think about because oftentimes we find ourselves in a process. And when I think of a process, I, speak of, I think of being in the middle of something. And that word Process comes from the word proceed or procedure or processional. It's indicative of a moving towards something. Think about this in, in these terms. You, as a graduating senior, they walk a processional, right? They play pomp and circumstance, and they walk a processional. And that says to us that they didn't just show up, James Hanks, in a cap and a gown overnight. They've been through a process. They started in kindergarten. Some maybe had to repeat kindergarten. And they finally get to a place as a graduating high school or even a college senior, and they've been through a process. You think of a wedding, and I've officiated many weddings to stand there as the wedding party is there and we're simply waiting on one more person to come. And they start, well, they don't much play the wedding march anymore. I mean, they play all kind of country songs and this and that to come down the aisle to. I've sat in many a, many a sessions preparing for a wedding. And I said, we're going to come down to this. And I'd say, please don't do that. Well, it's our wedding, Pastor. I know. I said, but please, that's don't do that. That's terrible. I'm a little old school. I like the dun 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 dun. dun. You know, here comes the bride. I like that. I mean, I've, listen, I've had some folks come down to some, I mean, some crazy stuff. I mean, to boot, scoot, and boogie, anything else you could think of. <laughs> Maybe not that severe. And I'm thinking, what? Golly, day. You just. 
it just it takes something away from it. But boy, I'm telling you, I've, I've stood there before, and they, that keyboardist hits that wedding march, and we ask everybody to rise. I'm telling you, I've done weddings for people I don't really know that well. And I've sat there at that altar and had to choke back tears watching that bride walk down. I'm thinking, what are you crying for, dumb? You even hardly know these people. <laughs> and she walks this, and that bride walks a processional. You know what that says? She didn't just arrive at that back door in that flowing white gown. She's been through a process to get there. And I want to tell somebody today that God has you right now. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. God has you in a process right now. And you've said, I hate this process. I hate where I am. I hate what I'm going through. God, why am I going through this? Why, why do you have me here? Get me out of the process. The Holy Spirit gently whispers and says, the process you despise, I'm using to develop you and to make you into everything I want you to be. I can't get you where you're supposed to be if I get you out of the process. So I, I need your patience right now with where I have you. It's just some practical preaching for somebody today. I just kind of want to push this back and sit down and talk. Don't despise the process. Because if you get out of the process too soon, you won't be ready to handle what God has for you. I don't have time to tell you about the process of the, of the butterfly and how it becomes the butterfly when it starts out as a caterpillar and builds that cocoon. And I read this story one time of a little boy that was watching, was watching this process come to an end as that that cocoon was getting ready to burst forth, and that caterpillar was going to turn into a butterfly and fly out. But you know what he did, little boy? He saw the butterfly struggling. And he took a pair of scissors, and he cut the cocoon. And when he did, that butterfly came out, and its wings were limp, and it had no strength, and it couldn't fly, and it, it flopped around and eventually died. You know why? Because the butterfly's strength comes in the struggle. That butterfly's wings are strengthened in the midst of the struggle. And I'm telling you that right now in this process you find yourself in, I don't know who this is for, but the process you find yourself in right now, God is strengthening you in the midst of the struggle. Don't despise where you are. God's using it to develop you. And I promise you right now, and I, listen, I prophesy to somebody right now that if you'll be faithful in the midst of the process and faithful in the midst of the struggle that you find yourself in, you may have gone in weak and broken and hurting, but the Holy Spirit said, me by to tell you today if you'll be faithful in the process and in the struggle God's going to bring you out strong God's going to bring you out mighty God's going to bring you out powerful don't despise where you are God's using it to develop you oh I just felt that for somebody right here here's the fourth thing I wrote down and it's this the bitterness that has taken root in your heart is directly responsible for the lack of joy and peace that you once had in your life. Here's the issue of the heart. This is going to be a hard one for some of you. It's pride. Because here's what some of you say. Pastor, I don't have any bitterness in my heart. 
I'm fine. No, you got a pride issue. He might run me out of town after this one. And for whatever reason, there's things that have happened in your life that have gone on in your life that have caused you to be bitter. You know, if you eat something that's bitter, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? You don't believe me? Go to lunch today and just take that lemon they put in your water or tea and just take a big old bite of that thing. That'll lock your jaw. Kind of makes me salivate now just thinking about it. You get something that's spoiled or bad, bitter. And some of you got a bad taste in your mouth. You got a bad taste in your mouth not because of something you've eaten, but because of something that's happened. And it may not have happened directly to you. But it's happened, and you know about it, and you've seen it, and you've watched it, and you've experienced it, and it's left you bitter. And the Bible talks about a root of bitterness that will make its way into our heart. And I'm going to tell you, when you allow a root of bitterness to fester in your heart, peace and joy will be absent from your life. But at some point, you have got to get to the place that you deal with the issue of your heart that is pride and stop saying, I'm not bitter, I'm fine, Pastor. Yeah, it happened, but it's no big deal, I'm fine. Yeah, the tone of your voice drips with bitterness. The scowl on your face screams bitterness. And listen, you can dress it up. You can paint it up. You can put a suit on it. You can put a dress on it. You can put makeup on it. You can put earrings on it. You can put lipstick on it. But it's still bitter. Listen, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, isn't it? I'm not saying anybody's a pig. Don't be getting mad when you leave today. And I don't care how you... How you dress it up, what you say. If it's bitter, then it's bitter. And there's some folks in here today, you've got to get to the place that you can swallow your pride and say, yeah, I've got some bitterness in my heart. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian or a person. Something happened and it made you bitter. That's why some of you are so miserable all the time. Pastor Tony, you better come help me land this, please. I'm going to get into a place I probably don't want to be. So some of you are so unhappy. You feel so angry. Now, Pastor, what do you know? What's been nothing? I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit's been witnessing to me the last several hours. You know why you don't have any joy or peace? Why you're so miserable? Because you're bitter. But you don't have to stay bitter. Do me a favor, cut that live stream off, please. But you don't have to stay bitter. Listen, you can get to a place that you can say, God, you know what? Yeah, I've got some anger. I've got some bitterness. Listen, some of you, you, you haven't had peace in a long time. and You've been wondering why. I came here to help you today. You're bitter. You don't have any joy because you're bitter. You're miserable. You know, and some folks that live in misery, it's, it's, it's their quest in life that if they're miserable, everybody else has to be miserable too. 
Listen, just because you're miserable, don't make the rest of us miserable, please. This is some good pastoral preaching today. But what do I do, pastor? What am I supposed to do? Well, what you're not supposed to do is to wallow in self-pity. Now, pastor, you're making light of it. I'm not making light of it. But if you stay in the mud, you're going to stay dirty. You can't wallow in the, the pain of the past and whatever's going on. Listen, it could have happened to you, a family member, whatever's happened that's made you. Listen, you've got to identify the root of it and sever it at the root. Because the joy of the Lord can still be your strength. And there is still a peace that passes all understanding that guards your heart and it guards your mind. I'm going to tell you, some of the greatest bitterness that people have in their heart has come as a direct result of church. I know I'm going to get some help on that one. Somebody's got to help the preacher on that one. I've been in this thing for 41 years. Listen, I was teased on Church of God pews. I'm going to tell you, Church folk, they can be some mean old people. And don't be looking away, looking down at your shoes, because I might be preaching to you. I, you might, don't be looking guilty. But you can't stay camped out there. It's a pride issue with some folks. I don't have a problem. You do. But it's okay. To come to an altar today or maybe at home and say, Lord, the pastor was right. Listen, it's okay if you're wrong once in a while. It's okay to come in the presence of God and say, God, yep, I've got an issue. I'm bitter. And see, you think you've moved on, but just by way of me talking right here, and rehearsing some things, it just brings up this, this feeling again. It's a reminder that you have not yet completely been healed from it and moved on. Here's the last thing. Over the course of the next several days, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to be required to take a step of faith. And this step of faith is going to lead you into a new place. It's going to lead you into new dimensions of His presence and new levels of spiritual growth. Here's the issue. This is not a bad issue. Here's the issue. It's an issue called purpose. All of us have a purpose in our hearts. Really, there's two purposes. We have our purpose, and then there's the purpose of God that He's deposited into our hearts. And see, you can, stay, you can stay in line with what you want and your purpose, and you can miss everything God has for you and for your future. Or you can say, God, I want to fulfill your purpose for my life. And whatever that looks like, 
whatever that sounds like and wherever that may take me, God, I'm willing to take a step of faith and fulfill the purpose that you have. Now, that listen, that step of faith may mean picking up a phone and making a call or a text and telling somebody, I've had bitterness in my heart towards you. God, I feel him in here this morning. It may mean setting up a face-to-face with somebody and saying, I've harbored a grudge in my heart towards you and I need you to forgive me. It may mean that there's an opportunity that's going to present itself to you Maybe a new job, a new place, a new assignment. I don't know. You're going to have to look at your present place and say, this may be the Lord leading me. You're going to have to take a step of faith and walk out of one place in order to walk into another place. You may not feel what I feel, but I feel the Holy Spirit witnessing to me right now telling me you are on track. God's speaking to some people in this place. You raise up your hands and welcome him here today. I sense, I sense just a reverence of his presence today. Hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is leave a comfortable place. Hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is leave a place of security. Hardest thing you'll ever do is take a step of faith and walk out into an unknown future. Not knowing what's next, but just knowing that the Lord said, take this step of faith. Because if you're like me, you got to have every I dotted and T crossed before you take the next step. And I'm telling you, there's be times that the Lord will force you and push you. And say, I'm not going to give you any, informa- any more information than you need, but just take this next step of faith. So what do you do? You take the step of faith. And you fulfill his purpose for your life. Because see, if you just live for your purpose and what you want, what you desire, you're going to miss so much that God has for you. And I know what you're saying, Pastor, it looks scary. Pastor, it makes me a little nervous. Pastor, I got to to see the end result. Where's faith in that? Where's the faith in that? I've shared there's been times in our lives that we have been presented with things that we had agreed to do that didn't work out, but I mean involved Massive pay cut. Huge. Challenges and geographical changes that scared me to death. Now, it didn't work out, but we were willing to do it. Look, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of tornadoes. I'm not, I'll never be a storm chaser. I told you several years ago we had an opportunity to go out to the Heartland region, Oklahoma, Kansas, and work in the state office there as a state youth director. The overseer was talking about shelters. We hear the siren and the warning. I'm going, my God in heaven. 
You're talking 15, 20 grand a year pay cut. Two kids. But we prayed and we felt like if this is what the Lord wants, we'll take that step. And we agreed together, God, we're going to do it. Now it didn't work out. I look back and I say, hallelujah. God, I'm willing, though. Here's the point. There will come a time, and there will come another time in our lives at some point that we'll have to take a step of faith as it involves something. You'll have to take a step of faith. So whose purpose do you want to fulfill? I want to fulfill his purpose. Don't you bow your heads for a moment, please, if you don't mind. <clears throat> With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just, here's what I want, you to, I want you to say. This is the prayer I want you to pray, if you don't mind. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? Would you ask him that right now? Whether you do it out loud, whether you whisper it, whether you do it in your heart. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? And tell him, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to listen. And not only am I willing to listen, but Holy Spirit, I'm willing to respond today to what you're saying. 